building, George McKay. I'm here with my cohort in crime, man who has a face for radio, Steve the Animal Mitchell. Hey everyone, how's everyone doing tonight? Everyone is good, man. It's Friday, it's Labor Day weekend. We're getting mm-hmm. into September, so we'll push obviously next week's episode in our shots fired. We got a lot of cool stuff to just throw out quick, quick quips of things that are happening about in wrestling, especially us from being from Toronto. Big announcement came through earlier mm-hmm. this week. We'll highlight on that, and we'll also let all our fans know that all our episodes from episode 20 to episode 53 are available. Last couple episodes was really great. It was like a trifecta, if you will. We had the What If, which was a storyline I kind of brought to the table based on a great comic book series that I like. What if these things happened? Then that spinballed into the new kayfabe, and then that spinballed into Vince Russo, mm-hmm. which was a nice little uh, trifecta, if you will, of great conversations that you and I had, great episodes that were built. Credit to you, credit to me. So that's great. And now we are going into another great conversation because today is episode 54. And this is uh, from superstar to mid-card to absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Like it's literally. It's going to be a really interesting conversation today. It's going to be good. We're going to highlight some guys uh, and girls who were given uh, a big push and did not make the most of it. And guys who were never meant to have the push, but just kicked the door in, if you will. Mm-hmm. And made it to the top on their own. So we'll highlight the latter first. And then we'll go into the uh, the ones that we liked. That we hi- we'll highlight from above. That, that we've got the names on the top of our head. But a couple quick things to talk about. Um, one is next week's episode is going to be your superstar profile for September. And that's going to be on... The Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior. That's a great conversation. I can't wait to have that. Yeah. And then maybe, who knows, for October I might even do Sting. Because they kind of steamroll into one another. If yeah. you will. Yeah. So... I might even do Sting for October because that's like, that's my Triple H. That's my other Triple H. That's my WCW Triple H. And it's really interesting to actually when we, when you, when we get to the end of uh, both of those guys are really looking at like step between like Sting's career and what happened to the warrior. Um, (laughs) the two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So I think it's going to be, those are going to be two fascinating, awesome profiles to go through. I think that'll be wonderful. And then of course, uh, the big announcement this week coming out, SummerSlam 2019. Right here in the six. Yeah. Running with the Wolves and the T-Dot. <laughs> SummerSlam weekend is here. I'm jacked, man. You got NXT. You're definitely going to have the SummerSlam access that yeah. they always do. You're going to have SummerSlam. Then you're going to have Raw. Then you're going to have SmackDown. Literally, Toronto is going to be wrestling fever for a whole weekend, and I cannot wait. Yeah, I love how they've been doing that over the last <clears throat> few years, particularly, of just like taking the whole weekend and making it all about that city of between like the, the the NXT takeover. Now you have a whole spectrum of you got your NXT takeover, you got your pay per view of that being this year, of course, being SummerSlam, and then you get your Raw and you get your SmackDown after that, and you know that the building is going to be full of Torontonians for all four of those shows. And then usually you get NXT as well, but NXT I'm not sure if it's live. I think it's pre-recorded, and then they throw it up a week after. But still, mm-hmm. nonetheless, you get. You really get five days if you think about it. Technically, because you have those two in, those two matches that go, go coexist with the, the NXT that they play after, which is really good that they give them. It's really awesome because I thought about it in the last NXT that I watched after the the, at the last NXT takeover in Brooklyn. There was it was so cool to think about the concept that like wow you actually give these guys the day off after busting their asses so hard and really like going over they're going above and beyond after they do what they do after oh, every takeover yep. and kill themselves and kill their bodies and do everything that they, they need to do to entertain the crap out of us give them that day off and i'm really really excited for that that they actually do have that well maybe some of those nxc stars will listen to today's episode so they know exactly how to steal somebody's spot because we're going to be highlighting some wrestlers from the past and pre-existing wrestlers right now who have a spot that could easily be taken by any of the great talent down in NXT. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be a great episode. Uh, what else did we want to highlight quickly? Oh yeah, Mick Foley is coming up next weekend. At yeah. the uh, At the Goofy Noofy. At the Goofy Noofy, thank you. Greg, your buddy Greg, he set the whole thing up. You and I got, you know, we paid for our tickets, but it's okay. We're going to get a chance to meet the one, the only, the iconic Mick Foley. Yeah. And I, I cannot be more jacked, man. I'm like so stoked. I can't wait to see him walk out there, you know, smile, five teeth missing. I love it. I can't wait. Dude, it's only 100 <laughs> seats that are available for this thing. The fact that it's only 75 bucks a ticket for that with a VIP that you get, uh, I believe the, the, the VIP, it gets a, a photo with Mick Foley. You get a meet and greet with Mick Foley. And, and you get two uh, or three you, things yeah, signed, Yeah, you get right? two, two pieces of merch signed. Um, so the fact that you get like that ample time, I believe you get a couple of minutes with Mick Foley for having a VIP in that, in that circumstance. So don't quote me on that, but I think that's, uh, that's the case. 
Um, and it's just going to be an amazing, amazing night of just listening to Mick Foley go over the entirety of what his body is still going through today after 20 years later of Hell in the Cell. And I can't wait because I'm going to get my Hell in the Cell DVD signed. I thought about it. I'm like, what am I going to get this icon to sign? That's what I'm going to get signed. That's what you're going to get. I'm going to get sign. my freaking Hell in the Cell DVD signed because he <laughs> is the reason that we all look, <coughs> excuse me, that we all look forward to the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view that's coming up. Right. And I cannot be more jacked for those Hell in the Cell matches that are coming up. I mean, you got Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns locked in a cage, and then you got AJ Styles and Samoa Joe locked in a cage. Right. Here, take my money. <laughs> WWE, take my money. AJ Styles going hardcore, I'm there. Braun Strowman having Roman Reigns locked in a cage with no way for the shield to get in. Mm-hmm. Take my money. Shut up, Vince McMahon, and take my money. Because I'm all right. I am all in on this pay-per-view. I cannot wait. Kyle Lucell <laughs> is one of my favorites next to probably TLC. And then, of course, the major four. Yeah. So those are my... Those are the pay-per-views I really look forward to. Not super stoked about any of the other ones. Yeah, I'm really like, you know what? When it comes down to it, I'm I'm a big four guy because that sets the tone for really for for everything. I feel like right. every everything is kind of feelers in between. Like those storylines are kind of like burn and turners, especially if you're changing titles. Then that's only really kind of going back and forth to until the main guy is really you know setting the, setting the tone for whenever the main guy is really going to be going to whatever the big four pay-per-view is going to be. So I think. I think WrestleMania and, and SummerSlam are probably my two favorites just because of that, just because it sets the tone so heavily for what that next crop of storyline is really going to go on and how it's going to portray itself. Yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah, those those definitely are ones to look forward to. But for mm-hmm. me, I'd probably say, like I say, I'm a hardcore guy. I always have been. So Hell in the Cell is a chance to see this PG roster get extreme for a little bit. Yeah. And then there's also, for me, Royal Rumble. Yeah. 30 men just battling it out for a shot at the title. It's great. And of course, you know, honorable mention would be Money in the Bank. Yeah. Honorable mention would definitely be Money in the Bank. And that definitely is like same thing. It's like storyline setter above all storyline setters of who's going to be the next champ and when is he going to cash in and just all these like really cool questions and left unanswered. Could just blow your mind. Yeah. Totally. We could go conspiracy on it all day, but let's not. That's why I stopped right in the middle of that because I was like, we're getting, now we're like getting right in the middle of like, okay, we're going into something else beyond this actual episode today, so we should probably just hop right into that. Well, maybe, maybe you stop. Let me run, so right now we're going to run through, in no particular order, we're going to run through the list of guys given a big push and failed miserably. Mm-hmm. So the one I want to talk about first and foremost would have to be the man whose finisher was the Pearl River Plunge, hmm. Mr. Ahmed Johnson. Yeah. This guy in the 90s was literally supposed to be the rock before the rock. He had the look. He had the intensity. He had the power. He also was poorly trained, injured almost everybody he got into the ring with, and most of his matches Unless you remember a few of the really cool storylines, most of his matches were completely and utterly forgettable because he really was the originator of the five-move king. Mm -hmm. He had a clothesline. He had a big boot. He had a power slam, which set up for the Pearl River Plunge. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had an elbow from the second rope was all I remember about Ahmed Johnson. Yeah, pretty much. Um, it was a very two-move, three-move kind of dude. I give him five, but yeah, you're probably right. Like power slam, you know, clothesline, big boot, <laughs> and then pearl river plunge. Yeah, the the usual the usual powerhouse kind of move. So as far as I'm concerned, it was uh, that that was really all Ahmed Johnson really had to had to offer me. I thought I thought the real takeoff was going to happen when he battled Farouk, and I thought he was really going to take off and really going to go where he needed to go, um, but. When you when he would grab the mic, and you'll find this consistently with with anyone, and it, you'll notice it with with anybody who's ever given a big push and it failed. It's all because of just the one thing or two things that they're missing. But predominantly, it's the mic work. It's always the ring work can can mask itself, and and guys can make you know big guys look tough by you know taking bigger bumps for them and you know stuff like that. Like there's ways to work around that to make the illusion kind of mix itself into the, into what people don't really actually see about what this mm-hmm. person's capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in Ahmed's case, oh my God, um, the only thing that I keep playing to myself over and over again is, you're going down. 
you're going down. Because it was the only promo that I remember him doing was when he was trying to tell Farouk that you're going down over and over and over again. But it was the way he was yelling it, the way it was, the, the way it was just not believable at all. Um, there was there was no sense of, of really that kind of realism when he would get behind the microphone. And I, I know for a fact that's why, I, well, the, beyond the fact that he was injuring guys, just like you said. But uh, Well, yeah, you mentioned, you actually mentioned, sorry to cut you off, you actually mentioned how guys would, some, some guys, depending on who they're ring with, can make themselves, the other guys seem larger than life yeah. by taking that bigger bump. But in, in the case of Ahmed Johnson, you weren't taking a bigger bump to make him look good. You were getting hurt because yeah. he was doing things poorly and executing things poorly and his footwork was god awful actually before we did this episode i watched an ahmed johnson match last night i watched one last night just, just right on which one did you watch it was um oh god it was the one from wrestlemania that uh michelle michelle rujo the voice of reason there she highlighted the street fight yeah yeah the chicago street fight the chicago street fight and man there was one point in the match where he picked up uh, a chair yeah and somebody went to, uh, I guess you say at the time, spear him or give him that leg sweep. Yeah. And he moved the chair out of the way, but he was supposed to move it to the left. Yeah. Because the guy was coming to the right. <laughs> and the idiot moved it to the right, and the guy <laughs> smacked right into the chair. Yeah, yeah. And Ahmed's face was, hmm? <laughs> it's yeah, like, no, bro, don't, 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 don't pose that. for the crowd. <laughs> because you totally, you bonked it. You yeah. screwed it up. And you're just god-awful in your little red tights looking like uh, like Tatanka and um, uh, Farouk got together and had a love child. <laughs> like, it's just god-awful. Or the Ultimate Warrior straps, how they would look like they're going to break off of his own body. Yeah, and that the, the tape over his nose. Like, what were you, Nelly before Nelly was tape. Nelly? It was just, you <laughs> know what? Quarterback for, tape over his nose. So, hey, let me pose a question to you, Steve, and this is my question. You look at a guy like Ahmed Johnson. Put yourself in Vinnie Mac's shoes for a second. A guy like Ahmed Johnson strolls into your office. He sits down in front. He doesn't say a word. If you're Vinnie Mac, what did you? What did he see, or you being Vinnie Mac, see to think that this guy deserved a push? What I mean, we all know Vinnie Mac loves his big boys. He loves his muscular, jacked-up idiots. But what, what, what do you see? Because I see no mic skills. I see no promo ability. I see very poor wrestling screen. But they still gave this guy a ton of screen time back in the day. And he was really getting pushed until he hurt too many people that they had to cut him because he was risked to whoever he was wrestling with, plus himself. No, I mean, look at him. Like, he's, he's a mastodon. Like, that guy was he was massive. He, was, he just had that body of... Um, he was at the right place, right time. He was obviously at the right place, right time when it happened. And when that push actually happened. They needed a, a really supreme baby face to go up against. Well, they were, obviously they were looking somebody to go up against Farouk. And then that's when Q, Ahmed Johnson, and mm-hmm. he comes in. Mm-hmm. This strapping young lad that looks like he's ready to go and become the world heavyweight champion tomorrow. He looked like Mr. Olympia. Like he was literally like that Mr. Olympia kind of dude when he would walk in. And I imagine Vince McMahon, just got himself a supreme wrestling boner and just immediately wanted to make this guy world champion and that's what it looked like he was he was pushing for and from the stories and everything that it sounded like and even from uh, listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard and uh, talking about Ahmed and, and the pushes that he was really getting and how far that they really wanted to push him mm-hmm. but unfortunately um, what I what I never understand is when they see these guys and then they they don't listen to them it's like okay you can watch them all you want you can mask stuff and you can like Jesus Christ we're gonna get into that in Warriors profile like you can he is the supreme um, example of what it is to take a big guy and to, to mask um, what uh, what abilities that this guy really has and to, and to make this guy look way larger than life than he actually, quite frankly, than he deserves to be. Hmm. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but however, um, and when you, when, you know, especially when you guys got so technically sound like Bret Hart and he's waiting in the wings and it's like, I got to wait for guys like this that just do a press slam and, you know, things like that. But uh in the grand scheme of things, it just comes down to this this look. It was this presence. It was the way that um, I, I noticed that they would always utilize because they always use these very pristine same camera angles. You watch them in the in the, in, uh, the entrances for everybody. Yeah, they had these same camera angles in the way that they utilized their entrances. And for Ahmed, it was always the guy would be down on it, like basically on one knee with the camera pretty much like pointed straight up because it was almost like 
he would all you, you could you could almost replace him at the time of with the silhouette of Lars Sullivan of what goes on with Lars today of that kind of like ominous presence of like this guy's gonna beat the crap out of you if you you you, you stand in front of him and you got to fight him right now. So that's what seemed like so appealing to me about Ahmed at that time. But unfortunately, um, everything else there there was just there was when you just chalk everything up to a look and you can't have any more ability beyond that and you can only put a couple of moves in front of this guy and then like you know no mic skills and and no ability to go anywhere that means if you don't have a mic skill that means you don't have an ability to storytell and you can't storytell and if that's the case then you're not going to go anywhere yeah this was pretty much Ahmed Johnson for me and I'll just this will be the last line before I move on Mm -hmm. but Ahmed Johnson for me was pretty much a very cliche cliche saying of don't judge a book by its cover yeah because his cover was stellar but once you got to the meat and potatoes, it was a dog trying to catch a butterfly or a hamster on a wheel. Basically. It was, he was boring. He was unsafe. And I'm okay to say this because he doesn't know where I live. I'm glad he's gone. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he's far away from anything to do with televised pro wrestling. I think he may still be floating around in the Indies. I'm not even sure. But I'm glad he's far away from anything where he can harm anybody that I love today. Yeah, I think And he I definitely think it's okay to say he's not a Hall of Famer. In any, any wrestling Hall of Fame. You know what's interesting is that I think actually one day we might even hear Ahmed's name creep around in the Hall of Fame one day. Because regardless of whether or not he actually did do like as little as he did, he actually still made an impact. I remember at that point when he would come out, like it would be everybody would be waiting for that. Everybody paid, if you paid money to see Ahmed Johnson, you paid for that Pearl River Plunge. That was the way that worked. And when he hit the Pearl River Plunge... That was when everybody lost their the, lost their crap because they were just totally into it. They oh, it was were, a great finisher. Were, it was a great were, finisher. We're into his power moves of everything he did, regardless of how much he bonked them or did anything like that or hurt guys or anything like that. There were people back then who who did pay actually quite a bit of money to just to see Ahmed Johnson that night. Oh, I remember all those hillbillies in the front row. Yeah, let them go. Yeah, right. Yeah, drinking twelve beers, taking their <laughs> shirt off. <laughs> all right, let's move ahead to. This is one that. Uh, this is one I've been chomping the bit on. And, I imagine uh, this one would be near and dear to your heart. Yes, this one is near and dear to my heart. So we're going to switch <laughs> it to the ladies for a second. And we're going to talk about the immovable object, Miss Nia Jax. And we have friends of ours that host a podcast called Comic Inc. Uh, Joey, what's up? Shout him out again. Great comic book podcast. Check him out if you haven't. They shouted us out also because they were talking about all the wrestlers that are at Fan Expo this weekend. Yep. It's awesome. And Fan Expo, they're in here in Toronto representing. You had AJ Styles, Charlotte, uh, Triple H, and The Miz. Mm-hmm. All here this weekend for Fan Expo, which is our Comic-Con, if you will, for all of our U.S. listeners. So uh, they shouted us out and talked about how great we were. And we'll shout them out again because Comic Inc. is uh, fantastic, uh, really in-depth comic knowledge. But there's one gentleman on um, that podcast who was big, big, big when we met to kind of, you know, hang out. Was big on this lady. And uh, I told him he was an idiot right to his face. And I stand by my statement. Uh, Flat out, uh, this lady is somebody who was given a spot because of who she's related to. And I will say that till the end of time. Nia Jax is a waste of a roster spot. She's horrible on the mic. She can't do anything in the ring except for a Samoan drop. Her power game is subpar at best. She's not good on the mic. Terrible mic skills. She is decent looking. I will for for a bigger lady. She is very good looking. I will. She has a great looking face and a great looking you know everything there. But just there's nothing more about her. This she's is got one match every the, time. She's yeah, got the same, same, same match. She's got the same match. Same match. Every time. And this was a lady who was supposed to be the dominant factor in NXT. She didn't dominate. She was supposed to be the dominant factor. Never dominated in NXT. Never won an NXT Women's Title. Came up here. They stuck her in a storyline where she was getting bullied. And if you're that size, you don't get bullied. You bully. You are the bully. You don't get bullied. You got a literally a 100-pound girl, 5'2", 5 feet of fury, making fun of you? And you're sitting in a dressing room crying? Uh-uh. I'm a big boy. If somebody 5'2 is making fun of me, I'm going to go like that. Listen here, Mario. I'm going to shove you back down your pipe to go meet your brother, Luigi. Okay? <laughs> Seriously. If you're, if you're 250 plus pounds... Why the hell are you crying in a dressing room because somebody called you fat? Right. <laughs> you go and you smack him in the face. She was never dominant. They gave her a big push, gave her the title, and then a prom- promptly took it away from her. Yep. 
because she's horrible in every aspect. So to that member of the Comic King podcast, I say shut your big fat mouth because you have no idea what you're talking about. She's <laughs> absolutely god awful. There's no reason to take up any more time about it. And the only reason she got the push is because of who her cousin is. And if you don't know, her cousin is The Rock. That's it. She comes from a history of a great Samoan bloodline, but somewhere along the line, talent skipped her generation. Yeah. Because she's god-awful to me. And it, again, it has nothing to do with her size, because I'm a big boy myself. I don't judge that way. I'm all about mic skills. I'm all about in-ring ability. I'm all about great storytelling. Yeah. Those are the trifecta of a great wrestler for me, the three points. She has none of the three. So she is a waste of a roster spot. And any of the ladies coming up in the May Young Classic this year, or even last year's May Young Classic, deserve that roster spot. Nia Jax should be fired or sent back down to NXT to refind herself. Because this immovable object? Bullcrap. Yes, I use bullcrap because we're trying to cut down on the swearing. <laughs> That's my rant. I'll give you a minute before we move on because I feel there's no more to talk about about No, it. I actually, I totally agree. I think the only thing <clears throat> to tack on to that is the fact that... Uh, um, I looked at the last match she had, and that was with uh, with Ronda Rousey. And I'm looking at the matches that she's she's had with Alexa Bliss, and um, it seems really easy for uh, the immovable object to be moved to be moved for this, <laughs> from these five feet of fury and this like you know a little bit taller than that and Ronda Rousey. It's like as far as I'm concerned, I think that's a really it's a terrible moniker to have about yourself if um, if that's what you are. If you're if you're definitely movable. And you're definitely capable of being put on the ground, and you're definitely able of being able to be put into an arm bar, and you're definitely able to be judo thrown by Ronda Rousey. Then, no offense, but you are unbelievably movable. You are not immovable. So it's the weirdest thing in the world to me. It's kind of like you know, just the same thing as calling yourself the eater of worlds when you've been just you know beaten a thousand times. It's like calling yourself the. It's it, it's really like calling yourself the destroyer in Samoa Joe when you've been follow the buzzer. Yeah, <laughs> people calling themselves stuff that that that's what we should do. We should do an episode on people calling themselves stuff that really that's not what you are. You're not that at all. But you can't you, be a destroyer you, if you never win a match. If you never win a match, <laughs> like that's, you can't call yourself that. That's a weird thing to do. All right. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the end of that one. So we're in agreement. Nia Jack should be fired. Oh, absolutely. Vince yeah. McMahon, listen to us. Fire. <laughs> all right. Let's get into one. Um, let's get into a, a a man who is Canadian. Let's get into a man who hails from Niagara Falls. Let's get into the perfect ten. Ty Dillinger. When he was down in NXT... Who had, was, he was a perfect 10. He was. He had some <laughs> great matches. And I love the last two years he's come out at the number 10 spot in the Royal Rumble. But he's not shown. He's not proven. And now that he's in the main roster, and I always thought he was going to do something great. He got to SmackDown, and he's like R-Truth's valet or tag team partner or whatever they got going on. And now R-Truth is cutting better promos. And the perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, does have mic skills. His promos in NXT were half decent, but again, given this big opportunity, this larger-in-life character, even still now at events, people will, when they're doing counts of 10, they just go 10, 10, yeah. 10. Like, people still do it, but the fact is, is that I don't know what happened. It's like, again, like, it's like that same old song and dance where somebody is really great in NXT, but they have the freedom. Then they come up to that main roster, and they're, they're put in a bubble, and they can't go out of that bubble, and they can't grow. And that's what I think is going on with Ty Dillinger. I almost feel like he needs to leave WWE and go back on the indies to really thrive because what they're doing with him now is a joke. I don't put the blame all on Ty Dillinger, but I do because I get it. You know, you work your life to come to this WWE, to come to this business, to be a WWE superstar. But at the end of the day, half the time the writers screw stuff up so bad and Vince McMahon approves the weirdest crap. Like where in a wrestling world where our truth, a man pushing 50, and Ty Dillinger, man. Pushing little Jimmy a few years ago. Yeah, pushing little Jimmy a few Yeah, exactly. Like, where where, where, where does this connect? There's no dots here to connect these two characters. And the way they're just throwing people together now, it's it really is that saying that we've, we've talked about constantly. Stuff's just getting thrown up against the wall. And they see what sticks. It's like, hmm, our truth He's not good singles. Let's put him in a tag team. Uh, perfect 10, we've done nothing. Yeah, let's put... Okay, perfect. The perfect truth. Yeah. <laughs> that's it that's it Steve we got a hit let's call Vince Russo lock it up right. but like it's a joke man like and I don't put it all on Ty Dillinger in this case but man I think you should quit like kind of like Neville did kind of like all those guys that did 
that, that left or the guys that got fired and actually have had better careers after they've left. And some of them have come back, but it's still, it's still, it's never the same. Like Drew McIntyre, again, NXT was fantastic. Up in the main roster, he's Dolph Ziggler's lackey. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, you're, you're, a, you're a heavyweight contender. Beat the crap out of Dolph Ziggler. Turn on him already and let's go, babyface. And come on, man, head for that title. I want to see Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman get it on eventually. Even though right now they're kind of in this united front, the three of them, against the Shield. But still, it's like, whatever, man. Like, at the end of the day, there's guys that you know are ready for bigger pushes, and they're still sticking them, they're sticking them with these guys. It's like, Drew McIntyre's been around. He knows things. He doesn't need Dolph Ziggler to show him. Same thing with Ty Dillinger. He's been in the business for a long time. Why has he not been given the appropriate push? Again, this one I don't, I, I, I agree with that we picked him, but I disagree in the same aspect, because I don't think it's all his fault. I really don't think this scenario is all his fault. He wasn't, he was given a push and it didn't work out, but now they've slapped him in a corner and never let him try again. Like you fail, you got to try again. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if Daniel Bryan didn't keep trying, we wouldn't have Daniel Bryan. You know what I'm saying? So why, why, you know, one point, oh, that's it. No, we don't have more time. But yet Nia Jax got months and months and months and even a title run before they realized she sucks. So I don't know. I don't, my mind is boggled here. What's your thoughts on this? Do you agree with me? Do you think that it's it's not all his fault, or do you really think that it's it is bad character, bad all around? Like, what's your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's actually, uh, I think it, I, I, I think it's always on the ownership. I, I, I think it's just like any any sports team or like any anything that involves uh, an individual that has to go out and has to go play his part and go do what he has to do. Then I find that that's always inevitably it's always got to fall on the actual person of what they actually take and run with the of the situation that they're given. Um, however, the situation that he was given is much the same as Tyler Breeze. When you are, are only given one thing to go off of, yeah. when the only thing that you were given, you have to think branding and you have to think of the fact that when you have a brand that's only based around a cell phone and you have a brand that's only based around the number 10, that the only thing that you have going for you, tell me, do you remember anything else about Ty Dillinger other than the number 10? I do remember the matches he had in NXT, and if you haven't had a yeah. chance to watch those, go back and watch him because he's, he's talented. He is talented. Oh, absolutely. And I'm just talking about the fact of just his no, branding other than power. His brand, and and no. his brand and his actual right. anything else of what's been going on, it's just, the, uh, it's just um, the comparisons of the number 10, of taking the 10 count and taking the number 10 in the Royal Rumble. And taking the it's ten just, punches in the corner, just the ten yeah. punches in the corner, and yeah. it's excuses for people to literally just chant the number ten, and that's it. And I noticed it; it was happening all over. Any other takeover that you would have going on, any other? Oh my God, NXT! I can only imagine how much merch this guy was actually selling and how much he was pumping out. Unbelievable, stupid amounts of merch because of just the amount of times that people would all throughout the night, constantly throughout every takeover, Man. they'd all be screaming ten. Yeah, you're right. But you're however. Right. Um, I feel like in that sense, um, it's a, it's a little bit disheartening when it comes to actually wanting to really bring that person's character out. Of really, where do you go from there? Of what what is this person's character? Okay, the person's character is he's the perfect ten. Everything he does is perfect. Everything he, it's like Mister Perfect. It's literally everything he does is absolutely perfect. And then there have been times where, unfortunately, with Mister Perfect, he made a point with every single thing that he did, in kind of like the sense of the way Leo Rush is doing. What he's doing right now of showcasing in every vignette that he does of how perfect this guy is in everything that he does. With Ty Dillinger, unfortunately, I haven't seen that. I've only seen people just chanting 10, and, and that's it. I haven't You're really right. seen the, the character really evolve in that perfection in the way that that perfect in that perfect 10 quote unquote in the way that so what you're saying is with this character in particular it's plateaued and it plateaued too early and now he's got nothing to build yeah i feel like honestly if there was a if there was an actual heel turn that went on with ty dillinger and he literally took that arrogance of being perfect of being the perfect 10 and took that arrogance factor and incorporated a little bit of mr perfect the narcissist lex luger all these, like, the, 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 even even incorporating, like, those kinds of things and incorporating that into a style of character, then it would really launch it, even, for, even like, going as far as the, the way uh, 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 Glorious, uh, uh, the, the... Bobby Roode, yeah. Bobby Roode, of how, he was, how he, he was a bad guy and how he was the glorious Bobby Roode, but really showing off how glorious he actually is and how luxurious of a life that this guy actually really lives. And uh, nothing under the level 10 isn't, is, isn't worth my time because I'm Ty Dillinger and that's how I work. 
And so that's what I feel like would be the, the, the kind of necessity to really launch his character in the way that it should be. Well, you know, I've actually kind of brought one that we kind of left off the list. But, yeah, I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go actually with, with Bobby Roode for a second here. Bobby Roode, another yeah. guy who was NXT uh, Ring of Honor great, Ring of Honor Hall of Fame candidate for sure, comes over here, great run in NXT, NXT champion, great matches, great title defenses before he finally lost it, comes up on Raw, we're all so jacked, and doesn't do nothing, goes over to SmackDown, mm-hmm. wins the U.S. championship for all of two weeks, and then disappears. Mm-hmm. Literally not in any storyline, not in anything. And other than his entrance and his theme song, nothing else about him. Very plateaued character. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he's. Da- I think he should just drop the glorious and do Bobby Roode. <clears throat> like get rid of glorious and just come out as Bobby Roode. Yeah, I feel like it's too Ric Flair. I feel like it's too much of what I've seen from like way too much. Of, it's like, definitely definitely connected to Ric Flair, and we've already got Charlotte. I don't need another Ric Flair in my life right now. And it's just the robe. I mean, granted, it's it's literally it's just the robe when you when it comes down to it. I mean, like you know, he isn't walking around saying you know the jet flying, the limousine riding, you know that kind of thing. But like at the same time, it's still like there's that there's a lot of elements of. And even the, even the strutting in the ring and stuff like that. There's a lot of Ric Flair that I noticed that's going on. That's like it's really cool and everything, but I feel like I have yet to actually see um, the character that is Bobby Roode. I've seen the in ring Bobby Roode, and the best matches he had was with Randy Orton because he brought the best out of him when it came to all that stuff. But... That's hard for me to say because Randy Orton's like watching paint dry. But I get what yeah. you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, he was putting on great matches. He put on great matches with Orton, and then all of a sudden it just became a thing where thought he was really going to get the push. Really, really, genuinely thought he was going to get the push. But I think it's one of those where it's just not his time yet. I think he's his his time will come, and it will come around where one day all of a sudden you're going to see this push of like, holy crap, he's the IC champion. Holy crap, I think he's actually going to go for the belt. I think they're actually going to be pushing him for the belt. Holy crap, and then actually like. Boom, Boom, he's a champion. Yeah, and then it's going to be one of those, like, kind of, you know, RKO's out of nowhere kind of thing. Mm. I, uh, you know, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Uh, he was not on our list, but I hope you're right. But, uh, you know, let's let's go into some positivity here for a second. Let's get away from the ones who dropped the ball completely. Let's go with the ones who never really were supposed to have the ball. Yeah. But they got it. Let's go with, uh, let's go with the one man whose talent I recognized from the beginning. One man who inspired me <laughs> with just a shirt. One man whose shirt, first piece of merch, was literally a magnet with three lines and a chicken. And that man is The Miz. (laughs) Yeah, you knew I was going to bring him up, man. This was a guy who was a reality TV star that became the host of the Diva Search, that became a superstar that everybody hated. Then he joined up with John Morrison, or at the time, Johnny Nitro. Yeah. And they ran the tag team division for quite a long time, had some great matches, stellar high flying, all that stuff. Then won the money in the bank when he went solo, uh, but also winning an IC title at the time, and then actually was a world heavyweight champion for nine months. This was a guy who literally, if you looked at him, if you looked at him 12 years ago, <clears throat> he was, or 10 years ago, he was a guy, no, 12, 2006, that's right. If you look at him, he was a guy who was not supposed to be where he is. He was not supposed to be the biggest heel in WWE. No, if you he, ask Angry Miz Girl, he was not supposed to be where he was. No, he was not supposed to be where he was. If you, you ask you, me you for a long time, Angry Miz Girl. You, you, you guys were both, you guys were like Angry Miz couple. Oh, yeah. We just didn't know each we didn't know each other until I saw her on TV. I was like, "Oh my god, I reckon I, res- I resonate so." That's hard my with that face. Guy's face. That's my face right I, now. I resonate so hard with that. Yeah, you know what? But this was a guy whose potential I saw. And maybe it's just because at the beginning it started off with a joke where you were like, "I hate him," and I was like, yeah. "You know what? I like him." But I actually grew to really like him. Yeah. Then grew to love him, grew to respect him, and grew to say he's in my top five. I don't yeah. give a crap what any wrestling fan says right now. The Miz is in my top five. Took a while to get there, but I'm in the same boat. Wow. Took a while to get there. (laughs) Wow. So let's talk about it. I mean, The Miz is the whole package. He can wrestle. He's got the look. He tells a great story. And his mic skills are bar none the best in WWE right now. He is literally at the peak of his mic. 
and everything from his entrance to the way he walks to how he talks to the suits to his gorgeous wife the beautiful daughter that he lives have. it man he lives it he does live it but then you watch him on you watch him on Miz and Mrs and he is a genuine guy who knows he's blessed to have everything he has but he's also a guy that's worked his butt off yeah and yes the marine movies are absolutely horrible whether it's him or John Cena they all suck but the yeah. fact is, is that this was a guy... What was my last movie? That's the way I look at it. I'm like, right. what, what the hell was my last movie? What right. is your last movie? It's like, well, we didn't have one. So I never made one. You're right. It went straight to DVD, just like yours. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> but this, I know where my de- I know where my movie went. <laughs> straight to, to DVD. DVD. No, no, but this was a guy who was not supposed to be where he was. So what? what was it that really made them see that this is a guy we got to start putting our backing into. Yeah. And for me, it was the whole package. Again, it started off as a joke just to piss you off at pay-per-views when we used to hang out and watch him. But then it became like, you know what? I actually can't hate him. Yeah, it was after he, after he made the switch to that, uh, that, that B-lister guy that was just like that, the A-lister that all of his movies go straight to DVD. Yeah. And when he started to absolutely describe that character with without any hesitation of like, People are going to hate this. I'm going to talk about myself like I'm the biggest movie star on planet Earth, and yet all of my movies go straight to DVD, and nobody watches any of them. So, like, to me, from where I'm sitting, when somebody puts that kind of effort into actually conjuring up a character that really genuinely isn't around and, and people haven't seen and puts a lot of effort into really trying to make that make that happen, which is everything that I watch Miz not putting into his, his matches. His matches... I noticed his development in wrestling came in the beginning of, you know, when he would you know run run into the turnbuckle. Actually, it was with Johnny, the turn Johnny Nitro. Johnny yeah. Nitro really brought the best out of him. It did. It looked like he was he was really taking notes from him, specifically of when I, I I noticed he's still the only guy in the business that does it in the way he does his clothesline when he runs into the turnbuckle, clotheslines the guy, and then sits in the middle rope and poses for the for the crowd after like look what a great job i just did <laughs> and like just like just the, these cool things that i noticed he was in development of in the beginning but then when he started taking the mic skills to the next level and it became a thing where Miz is going to go down in history when when this thing is all over and best talker it, he's going to one go of to, the yeah, best talkers going to go down in history as one of the best talkers of just how much he really got under people's skin and, and even he, he did it toe to toe with some of the best like him and yeah. John Cena with that whole shtick with him and Maurice versus John and Nikki that whole back and forth stuff that they did and John Cena yeah. is a great talker I still hate the whole Marine and never give up and all that nonsense, but yeah. John Cena is hands down one of the best talkers. I mean, we and saw, that's why it worked so well. Oh, because you he had the best, heel, the best that. face talkers right there. Yeah, he's 100%. trying to tell this guy. He's trying to guy. He's trying to tell the guy that he's jealous of that you're jealous of everything that I got when he's the guy that's actually putting movies out that people want to see, and he's the guy that's actually putting all the mic. He's doing all the work that everybody's paying all the money to go see. So. You have absolutely no right to see it and say any of this. And people knew that when he was saying it, but yet he would be so convicted and saying what he's saying to him and getting more booze and more reactions and more everything out of it. And working with something that honestly was just a complete dead in the water idea of like, you're going to put Miz and John Cena together for the hundred millionth time. How are you going to get something new out of it? And And he did, man. Those promos, him and Maurice cut were just great. Exactly. (laughs) Rule 63. (laughs) Oh man, the Miz. The Miz was a guy who a lot of people, besides myself, did not see potential in, and I'm happy to say that I was I was right. Yeah. And I I rode that pine pony early, and now I can do what all people who go, who jumped on the bandwagon early can do. I can gloat. I can say I was a Miz fan before anybody else was. I was probably literally <laughs> the only goddamn fan the dude had. <laughs> Actually, I was literally just thinking the same thing. I'm like, I have a funny feeling that you were literally the only fan that that guy had at that point. Well, he was awesome then, and he's <laughs> awesome now. All right? Uh, let's talk about, uh, you know what, since we're going in the Miz, let's kind of stay into that IC kind of picture. Let's yeah. talk about uh, Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. The evolution of Dolph Ziggler, a lot of people don't know, uh, he was in the Spirit Squad originally. <laughs> he came in the Spirit Squad. He wrestled a few times in the ring when they alternated their champions because they were the tag team champions for a little bit there and then he kind of disappeared and he came back as Dolph Ziggler and we all thought what a stupid name it literally sounded like the name of the lead character from Boogie Nights oh still to this day it's like this is the dumbest name in the history of anybody who's ever created a name and actually became successful off of it but he's a two-time WWE two-time world heavyweight champion and a, a, a one-time world heavyweight champion one-time WWE champion 
He's held the IC title multiple times. I believe he's been a U.S. title holder a couple times too. This is a guy who's literally held belts, tag team championship as well. He is a Grand Slam champion. He's done it all, and he continues to get better. All those promos he was doing uh, a while back where he was making fun of everybody's intros, those were hilarious, and they were great. But Dolph Ziggler, much like Miz, is a guy that can't go face. They've never really done face with Miz. I believe they tried it once, and it failed horribly. Uh, Dolph Ziggler has gone face a few times, and it doesn't work for him. Dolph Ziggler is an arrogant, egotistical, uh, younger, better-looking, straight-eyed Shawn Michaels is yeah. uh, way better than any Dolph Ziggler as a face. No matter how many times he loses, it's, I'm always better than you. <laughs> yeah, and, and and now that they've given him Drew McIntyre, I mean, I, I like it, but at the same time, I know you're both better on your own. So I, I hope this thing ends itself quickly. But Dolph Ziggler is, again, another guy who I don't think was supposed to be in that heavyweight title pitcher. I don't think he was supposed to do all the things he's done. And this is a guy who... Kicked the door down with a stupid character, made it his own, and made it great. His promo skills are great. His intensity level is great. His wrestling is... Pff, all I gotta say is, is, is Seth Rollins, Dolph Ziggler, Iron Man match. 30-minute Iron Man match. Like, the fans in that arena ruined it that night. But that match, go back and they watch really that match. Did. Watch that they match really on mute, though. Did. Watch it on mute so you don't get drawn into the crap. But just watch that match on mute and watch the, the stellar storytelling that went on in that... that we had... Nine fucking falls. Yeah. Nine falls in a in an Iron Man match. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And it was only thirty minutes. Imagine if they had had an hour. And they and they're like the two fastest guys in the biz. As far as like the mid card guys to moving up. As far as the main event guys for their speed and what they're capable of getting getting away with to yeah. maintain their longevity yeah. throughout a nightly basis. What they're capable of getting away with, and what they do for us, and how much they get away with—it's unbelievable how 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 much they continuously try to to make a better match every time. And they they do they like I could watch uh, much like the Miz and Daniel Bryan fighting forever. I could watch Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins go back and forth for the IC title all day long because it's yeah. that it's that great of a story. And I just wish that the fans in that arena that night would have given that match its due because it was great. And uh, Dolph that Ziggler. should have been what those people paid money to see. Of like that should have been one of those like exclusive. We're slotting out literally all of our time and energy to literally focus in on this match of what these two are giving us right but now. But they just ruined it. The crowd, the crowd at a lot of arenas these days take you away from the match when you're home. So I had mm-hmm. to go back and watch that thing on mute, and I got to really appreciate what these guys are doing. Yeah, I, I got rid of Michael Cole's horrible commentary. I got rid of Corey Graves and his quips. I got rid of all of that crap. And and the, and the horrible audience that was in that building that night, and I just enjoyed a great story. Yeah, and that's what it was. It was hands down one of the best stories I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, and uh, I don't think a lot of people. I, I want to see a world heavyweight title on Dolph Ziggler again, much like I do on Miz, because I think they're both ready. I think they're both due for another title run. What I would love to see even more, and it sucks because they're on two different shows now. But man, what I love to see Dolph Ziggler holding the universal title. Where I love to see Miz holding the WWE title, and what I love to see those two clash for pride at Survivor Series. Yeah, that would be really cool. When it's champion, when it's all the champions versus the champions, you know what I mean? That's what I'd love to see. When it's brand versus brand, mm-hmm. that's why I love to see those two guys going at it for pride of who's the better champion. Yep. Who's the better heavyweight champion? Because those two definitely deserve the spot. And not that there's not more deserving, but those two definitely do. And since we're on the subject of Dolph Ziggler and the Miz. One more to talk about before we get back to a couple honorable mentions on this list and we wrap it up would have to be Daniel Bryan. A guy who was literally never supposed to be what he is. Oh, he would be, I believe, number one on a lot of people. He's number one in your list and number one in your heart, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. This is a guy, this is literally the everyman. Yeah. This is the everyman, the average Joe. The guy who's not built like a tank, who's not tall as a tree. He's just got a lot of heart. He's just got a lot of heart. He is literally... And perseverance. He, he is the ultimate underdog, and that's what his nickname was for the longest time. But this was a guy who was not supposed to be a champion. And not only was he not supposed to be a champion, he was never even supposed to hold a ring. I don't even think he was supposed to make it past NXT. But they gave him a shot. He ran with it. He's a WWE Tag Team Champion. Yeah. He's a Universal Champion. Or, sorry, not Universal. My apologies. He's a World Heavyweight and a WWE Champion. He is a Unified Champion. He is an IC title holder. I'm not sure if he's held the U.S. title. Have to check the stats on that. I'm not sure if he has. But still, the fact is, is Daniel Bryan has held a lot of titles 
in this company and around the world. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy that he did his his thing and he got he got the new treatment done and he's back in the ring and he's wrestling. But at the same time, I don't want to see Daniel Bryan as a champion again. I don't know if that's cliche to say. I don't. I want to see him as an IC champion. I love him as a as a as a US title champion if he's never held it. I love him in a tag team division if they keep hell no going. Uh, I love him doing the mixed match stuff he's doing with Miz and Maurice and now Brie Bella's come back. I yeah. love all that stuff. But I don't want to see Daniel Bryan in heavyweight pitcher because you know what? I've seen it and it was great and it was amazing. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 30 will go down as a memory in every wrestling fan's heart. Leave it at that. Leave it at that because you know what? If I see Daniel Bryan with another heavyweight title, it's just going to monopolize the whole company. It's going to monopolize everything about the business. And there are a lot of guys that are coming up and work so damn hard to have this guy come back from retirement and get healthy, which is great. But come back in and automatically get a spot. I like how they're kind of building. Yeah. I like how they didn't throw him into a title picture right away. I really do like that. I hope they stick with that for a while. Let him have his fun. Let him do his matches with The Miz. Let him end that rivalry. I like that the focus has been on just him and The Miz. I like that it's been like this just gradual build to, okay, now they're going to let them run where they're, they're letting them get back to normal. And then, okay, now we're going to let them run with Miz. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the, that's the best thing to go against his everyman persona is to go with the larger-than-life jackass. That's the best way for Daniel Bryant to get himself, I think, a year, year and a half. Maybe get me a Royal Rumble win or even finish top four at Rumble. I would be okay with that. I don't think he. I don't want to see him fighting for a title for at least two more years. Yeah. Just because I want to enjoy this rivalry that we've all been salivating to see in SummerSlam was a great first chapter, but we know what's going to build from there. Mm-hmm. I would actually, you know, what I would love to see. It's too bad they wouldn't do it, but I would love to see the first mixed match Hell in a Cell. Wouldn't you? Yeah, that would be kind of neat. That's a different take on it, right? Think about that'd be it. Kinda, that'd be, it'd be kind of neat. I just don't like mixed match. Matches. I, do, I just don't like them just because of the fact but that. But everything's they, better in a hell in a cell. It is. Everything's better <laughs> in a hell in a cell, but not when I know that whenever the two people are fighting and then as soon as the other person tags out, then that's when that fight starts stops happening and then the other one has well, to make start it a tornado. No tag. You can make it a tornado. Make it a tornado in a hell in a cell. I just don't like mixed match matches. Book it. <laughs> Book it. It's mixed happening. Tag matches. It's happening. <laughs> I guarantee. Mark Straight. my words. In three years, you're going to see that match at a hell in a cell. And it's <laughs> right. my creation. Remember the day. Timestamp it. All right. Friday, August 31st, 8-16. I said it. All right. <laughs> mark, mark it down. Mark it down in your calendars and mark it down in your hearts, people. So those, um. prob- those probably be the three guys for me that reign into the guys who were never supposed to get the major push. But yeah. knock the door down anyways. Especially Daniel Bryan. He's like the number, number, number one, 100%. Absolutely. Uh, just, just, got a, just, just got a couple things, really, to, to make mention of, of Mr. Daniel Bryan. Um, I feel like, uh, I, I feel like, and I feel like this is the only thing, uh, I feel like this is the thing about Daniel Bryan that people are not talking about. Um, yeah, he was, it was awesome to see him come up and to see him win the belt at WrestleMania 30. It was awesome to see the story happen, him against the authority. People stormed the ring. Everybody will remember that. Improbable Monday Night Raw when everybody came out and they stormed the ring. The Yes Movement has finally taken over the entire building and Stephanie's screaming, get out of my ring and, and this, that, and the rest of it. Like, they just, it was such get a... Get out of my ring! Yeah, it, and getting so fired. It was, the, it was the maddest Stephanie McMahon I've ever seen in the history of mad Stephanie McMahons. It was incredible. Um, that story is done. That story is over. Uh, it's finished. That story is, it's, it's done. And there's no reason for me anymore to sit here. Yeah, okay, it was great when the announcement happened. And it was awesome when uh, he came back and he had his match. And now, that's it for me. It's over. Um, I don't really feel anything anymore when uh, I'm watching a Daniel Bryan match. I feel like, um, and especially with them uh, mixing up Maurice and, uh, and Brie Bella in it, it's not about them. It's about Miz and, it, it's about Miz and Daniel Bryan. It's not about them in any way, shape, or form. They're clouding it. They're ruining it, And if, if anything. Um, and so what has happened now is uh, something that was, was supposed to be left as, okay, Daniel Bryan, he had an amazing career, something, a very tragic accident happened like a lot of other people. Everybody was very, was very solid in the fact that Daniel Bryan's gone now. Um, and it's better for his health and it's better all, overall for, for all that. Um, the fact that he's come back now and just kind of like shoved into the middle and just kind of like doing his thing, it's floundering and, and eventually knowing one day he'll eventually get that push again and he'll probably get, he'll get a world title and he'll get all the things that he deserves because he's Daniel F and Brian and all that. Um, but however, 
Um, the underdog story for, for me was WrestleMania 30. When I see Daniel Bryan, the only thing I'll think to myself from now on is just WrestleMania 30. WrestleMania. Yeah, it'll be WrestleMania. And it was the most, because it was the most unbelievable underdog story ever. And now it just reminds me a lot of, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin when it was Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And it became Daniel Bryan versus Triple H and Stephanie yeah. McMahon. Yeah. You can't duplicate that again, especially when you, especially after it was all said and done and then you tried to get Austin to shake. Vince McMahon's hand now, and now they're they're buddies, and now they're and then now he needs the old Stone Cold. What? Would, yeah, and what? Now the, the what movement? What? That's still sometimes I hear in these stupid buildings every now and what? again. These stupid people <laughs> screaming what? Um, but point being is that once you had that, you couldn't duplicate it again, and it's the same thing with Daniel Bryan. I feel like you can't really duplicate that underdog story ever again. I think you're right. I think you hit the nail in the coffin on that. All right, you know what? Let's play a little game. We got nine minutes left. I'll run through some names on this list that we haven't talked about, and you let me know. Uh, give me a one-minute synopsis on these, and we'll wrap it up. I'm going to leave it up to you. All right, here we go. You ready? Yep. Naomi. Naomi? Give me a minute, and um, go. Oh, Jesus. Naomi, uh, horrible mic skills. Uh, it's the entire reason why she uh, lost her belt in the first place. Why they gave her... I, I wanted to put her on the list specifically because of the fact that um, she deserved the push. And I thought it was really awesome, but once again, um, she got lumped into the category of uh, the one moniker that uh, you can't really keep up unless you're, you know, feeling the glow all the time. Um, you can't really, can't really put it up there that like you're feel the glow, um, and then all of a sudden you're losing all the time. Um, that's not feeling any kind of glow whatsoever. And unfortunately, it's putting it puts hopes up for people that want to see you win and want to see you do well. Of this unfortunate, now you're fluctuating between wins and losses. Of you need kind of got to keep it consistent. If you're gonna have that kind of big brand behind you. Then uh, it's it's really unfortunate, but you really do. You have to keep it consistent like that. Ooh, just made it on the wire. Okay, uh, Cesaro. Cesaro, <laughs> same thing. Jesus, um, what are you? Are you a James Bond baseball player? Are you? Uh, I don't know what you are. It really like got to a, a very confusing time for people when it came to um, the big push because everybody said that he was going to be like he was going to be the next big thing. Everybody when he first came around, he came out of NXT. Um, he was going to be the next big thing, and then they stuck him with Heyman, and even Heyman couldn't even turn it around. So it really got to a point where... And then we the people for a little bit. Yeah, and then we the people for a little bit. And it started changing and morphing and all these things to a point where now it's like, okay, now he's the king of swing, and now he's the uh, he's the, he's the, 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 the Swiss cyborg, and now he's the this and that and the rest of it every single week. And it kept changing from, from everything to a point now where all I remember is him taking a guy's legs and swinging him around the ring a bunch of times, and that's pretty much the only thing I remember about uh, Cesaro and, and uh, his big push that uh, I don't really see happening anytime soon. For me, I remember, obviously, the bar. I was a big fan of the bar. I love the bar. We are the bar. Yeah. And then um, uh, him and Tyson Kidd. I thought they were a great tag team, too. But I think oh, that's man. it. He's a tag team guy. And he'll never get the. He'll never get a big push. And that's it. And because that's, I know there's a lot of people out there going, but he's. You just said he's not getting big push, but he's like the bar and been like tag champion for the last two years. Aha! As a tag team, not as an individual. As an individual, he should not be getting pushed. As a tag team, man, he's such an amazing worker. All right, last one to talk about here, and then we'll we'll talk about a couple things for next week's episode, and we'll wrap her up for today. The Riot Squad. <laughs> the riot right. squad the and riot even we'll squad. go as far to also loop in absolution yeah. minus page so yeah. forget page from absolution just focus on manny rose and sonya deville whatever oh that's is. that's easy for both of them riot squad absolution fire all of them equally <laughs> fire them all honestly fire all of them they're just really really bland when it comes to absolutely everything and especially when it comes to mike skills especially in the riot squad when they're in the back and they're they're trying to intimidate people by grabbing their laptops and breaking them in front of them and, and laughing at them and, and all this and that and the rest of it after they like, do something mean to them. And it's just these these really weird things. That catty, I, catty bitches. Yeah, that I believe that you're actually really nice in real life and that you wouldn't actually do these things to people and that you're this is just a thing that you're, you were handed a piece of paper and told to do this. That's exactly what it looks like is, is going on here in the footage that I'm watching. And it just, there, there, there's no, there, I've never had one... Thing to attach myself to in the fact that um, you're supposed to be really dominant and yet you literally lose every single thing that you do. So therefore, um, I don't have any reason to really care or give a shit about anything that you're doing from a week-to-week -week basis. I've, I, it's the tune out and go up for a smoke break thing when you guys are doing what you're doing. 
It's really bad. Every segment is literally the equivalent to a, watching a, a, a pillow fight match. Like it's, 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 <laughs> hey, it's don't no insult different. the pillow fight matches. The lingerie matches were great. Actually, yeah. Th- th- to be honest, um, it, it, talking about the Riot Squad segment and Absolution segments and comparing it to a pillow fight match is actually doing a disservice to a pillow fight match. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well that's it. That's all we got for today. That is the uh, that is our show on the mid card, guys. That uh, we're giving a push and drop the ball, and the guys that were never supposed to get that push but just kicked the door in anyways. I think we had a great conversation today. I think we had a lot I think of fun so too, my man. I think we had a lot of fun. Uh, next week we are doing your profile on the Ultimate Warrior, which I'm so jacked looking forward the to. The Ultimate Warrior. That one will be in the can though. That one won't be live. We're gonna do yep. that one in the can. So that one will be available next Friday on all of our platforms. Uh, platforms, wow. Platforms. Our platforms. Mm-hmm. iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio and Google Play Music. You'll hear them all. And also, too, we are going to be having some ads coming up on our show in the next couple of weeks. So every 15 minutes or so, you're going to hear an ad and all that kind of good stuff. So we're looking forward to that. We've got some, some stuff rolling in that we're excited about. And things keep pushing forward. And then after uh, Ultimate Warrior, what's the next one? We have one in the can yet for that one? Yes. Uh, we actually we had an idea for that one. Uh, for the next podcast, we're going to go over the May Young Classic. We're going to go over... Uh, That's right. We're going to break down the bracket. Yeah. There's not, a WWE Network, you can check out Bracketology, but we're just going to kind of go into a little bit more expansion of... Uh, of exactly um, each in, the individuals that we see as great prospects of who's going to win this thing this year because as opposed to last year um, there was a lot of people I called it yeah I called the pirate princess I love right. her to death she's the best <laughs> Kari Sane is the shit oh man and we've had a lot of amazing 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 women come out of that come out of the Mayan Classic from last year and and a lot of them were prospects of people who were quite frankly they were floating in and out of indies they had a lot of obligations that were going on with a lot of other companies and a lot of other things. This year is solely based on the fact that these women are only in it to win it for the Mayon Classic. They are not floating anywhere. They are banking on the fact 100%. I've listened to a lot of the interviews that have gone on with these ladies, and they are absolutely super pumped to go and go for every single bit of of the winning of the Mayon Classic this year. So I'm really excited for all of it. Right, so you can definitely check out Bracketology on the network, but don't forget to check out the Straight Talkology. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh Yeah. yeah, straight talkology, I get it. It kind of sounds like Scientology. It sounds a little gay now that I think about it. I take it back. A, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. That's why I wanted to let that sink in. That's why I just I want to say it back. I just want to say it back, and I just want to let it sink in. I made a mistake. <laughs> Fine. Just do it better next time. Shooting myself. Just do it just, better next time. Just be better. You know what? I was watching Jersey Shore last night with my wife, and the best quote I, I ever heard in my life came out of uh, the situation's mouth. Devil whispered in my ear, you can't handle the storm. I looked back at him with utter intensity and said, I am the storm. How long do you think it took for him to remember that? How long do you think it took the situation, a man who has the name that is called a, the situation. It's under construction. He's under construction right now, okay? He's definitely, he's been under construction. Come on, that's a pretty birth. cool, that's a pretty cool quote of positivity, man. <laughs> the devil whispered in my ear, you can't handle the storm. And I looked at him with intensity and I said, I am the storm. He wanted sex. Is what he wanted from do that. that. Listen, do that with do that with a, 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 a Randy Savage voice. If you think about it. Oh yeah, I looked at the devil and it said in the store. <laughs> All right, I'm done. He's trying to do the face, but he's lost. He's trying to do the face and staring at me while he's doing it. I just couldn't get through it. It, lo- it like, looked. I know what my face looks it like. It looked like it was constipated. All right, we'll I know what my own face looks like right uh, now. I get it. God. Uh, this last four minutes, I've just I've it's I've the bombarded cream. the cream of the crop. One more. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this week. Don't forget to check out next week our Ultimate Warrior profile. After that, we're going to break down this year's May Young Classic. And then, of course, we got some more exciting episodes coming around the pipe. We're going to have our, uh, our pre-show for uh, Hell in the Cell, which I'm so looking forward to. And we'll also have some quips, hopefully a soundbite or two, and we'll talk about Mick Foley before we get into Ultimate Warrior next week. Absolutely. Or actually, just, that, just before we get into May Young Classic, because Ultimate Warrior we're doing on the uh, Friday, and we're going to meet Mick Foley on a Saturday. Yep. So we'll talk about it two weeks from now. You'll hear all our quips and our sound bites from Mick Foley. Jacked for that. Until next time, people. This is I am your host with the most, George McKay. Steve the Animal Mitchell. And we are out. Thank you all so much for tuning in. 
Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!